Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, a podcast on the FX television series Fargo. Fargo Talks Fargo is hosted by me, Bill, and my buddy, Sharpie. We like to get together and talk TV, except just this TV show. But we're originally from Fargo. That's a fun thing, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Home of Hector International Airport. Dang right. (laughs) By the way, you know what, Sharpie? Just so they all know, happy birthday to you the other day. Oh, thank you. Yes, it was my birthday on Wednesday. Terrible friend, I forgot. And um, I even had it in my calendar. So not only did I like actually see it, because you know you get up, you look at your calendar every day, don't you? I do, what's actually. The, what's, what's, what's the haps today? Well, it turns out I was too busy thinking about the thing on my calendar that said Jenny Project. Uh-oh. And instead, completely blew off my friend Sharpie's birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. Thank you. September 30th for all you listeners. If you want to send me yeah, cheese curds, it's, it's you not can. too late. <laughs> you're kind of. Um, it's too. You're just. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, man. You, you for a minute, you thought well, it was us. You know what? Hopefully, Jenny's not sorry. And hopefully, she got her project. I hope Jenny's happy. I'm still working on this. <laughs> It, it was it was a, it's a multi day thing. It, it was one of those like you, you need you need to mark the day off so you don't take any meetings so you can actually work that project for two full days. Ah, uh, so, deep work, deep work. Yeah, lots of video editing, boring kind though, not the cool kind. But hey, I hope Jenny them. doesn't listen to this podcast. Jenny definitely does not listen to this podcast. But I like Jenny. Jenny Jenny doesn't even tell me it's exciting work. Hey, you know what? Let's let's clear up some fact finding missions first. Okay. I like that. Ted Ted Fujita. Ted Fujita. Ted Ted Fujita, and that's why it is is called the Fujita scale, the F scale of tornadoes. And five is the highest. It goes from zero F zero to F five. And F five tornadoes are two hundred and sixty one to three hundred and eighteen miles per hour. Oh my God! I did not know. It was that high. <laughs> it's so- well, so so here's here's the Wikipedia entry. I was trying to find it, but yeah. So he he's uh, he was at the University of Chicago, and he did this in collaboration with Alan Pearson, uh, the head of the National Severe uh, Storms Forecast back back in the day. Craziness, right? Is the Fujita scale? Is it? It's not like exponential, is it? Is it? No, I don't think so. Because, well, I think I think the top of the scale is just. It's got to be whatever the most recorded we've got is. I mean, we can't. We don't, is there an elusive F6? We can't know the velocity of a tornado that we weren't around in or had the equipment, but I think some of it is based on um, photogrammetry, you know, because we, we know the way items fling away from, and yeah, that's part of how they created it. But I did not actually remember to write down the PBS documentary I mentioned, but. I know it was in there because there was a there was an article in the the local paper about it that it was going Fargo was as part of that that series. There's another documentary coming out that has to do with Fargo that's making the I guess virtual film festival cycles the Dakota really um, the Dakota, well, crap, I probably, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but. Sorry. <laughs> it's a, the, the Dakota something tapes, the mm. Dakota entrapment tapes or something. Really? 
I have not heard about this, but I just yeah. try not to read the news because the news um is is sad. Maybe I should just just bear with me here because uh, I sure. I think people should know. I'm gonna Google it. You're gonna. Is this what our show is now? You and yep. I just Google things? We're just Googling things. Yes. 2020, the Dakota entrapment tapes. Uh, Goodness. And it is very much, I, I would say it's kind of in the Fargo universe, not literally, but also maybe perhaps in the universe of the storytelling. Sure. Uh, because it's about, um, it's kind of in line with this season. It's about just like shady law enforcement officers trying to uh, basically... You know, like Otis Weff in Fargo season four, trying to frame up some people Ooh. for drugs and whatnot, Damn. not not murdering doctors or deans or whatever that guy is, but uh, <laughs> Doctor Harvard is that his name? Doctor Harvard. <laughs> um, I just go to the Mayo Clinic. I don't need any of that Harvard medicine. Anyway, look it up. Dakota entrapment tapes. I think it'll probably be at the Fargo Film Festival this year. Okay. Well, I don't know, yeah, because they went all virtual. I kind of missed some of that stuff with all the uh, the old uh, the old virus. Yeah, Bye. poor film festivals. Man, do we love them. Mm. Hang in there, little fellas. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about KC Mo 1950. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what my Do you know what my note was? <laughs> I, I, I this is exactly what I'm I'm reading this word for word. This is some Shawshank shit right here. That's the kind of things I write down in my notes when I'm watching that, it again. That's, that's a bill note? Yeah. No, I write just in Apple notes. But, I mean, and I, I know it was it's a little bit of a throwback to Raising Arizona and everything, but every prison break for me because of my age is just Shawshank now. So we meet these two, right? We meet these two. Uh, we meet... Zelmar uh, and Swanee. Zelmar. Zelmar Roulette and Swanee Caps. Classic Fargo names right there, especially <laughs> with the double letters. Yeah. Both 5'7", both arrested for armed robbery, one for murder, one for accessory to murder. That's yes. Swanee, the sidekick Swanee Caps. The younger of the two, born in 1927. I looked up the average height of people by birth year to see if maybe, to see how they sized up. Sure. Uh, so Zelmar Roulette is 5'7". They're both 5'7", as we said. Mm-hmm. She's born in 1914. The average height of women born in 1914 is, can you guess? 5'7". Five, 5'2". Five, <laughs> Dang. So they might be... Uh, or who knows, tall- maybe this is side. just their actual height. What do you mean? Well, I don't know, maybe they're just listing the... The actual actual actors' heights, and I'm oh. just we're just we're just like overly reading tea leaves. Yeah, well, that's kind of what we do here on this show. <laughs> Welcome to Overreaction by Bill and Sharpie. If you're listening to a podcast that breaks down a TV show not once but twice per one episode, then you kind of know what to expect. We're gonna get into the tea leaves. Yeah. Well, I'm missing. What well, I'm tea. missing all this. I'm missing all this. Like, it's somebody help us out if we're missing something here. We're missing the. The Camus and the the Sisyphus and the like. I'm trying to find those little nuggets in here, mm-hmm. and I haven't yet. And I know that's maybe just too much for right now. But right now, all I hear is Roger Miller's "Can't Roller Skate in a Buffalo Herd," which, by the way, is just it is super. It's what a super fun thing. And then she, then Swanee has that relationship with the guy <laughs> who wants to go for a ride, and she takes his kind of cowboy outfit. I thought that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um. 
yeah, I don't know. We're not seeing a lot. I mean, there there's certainly um, some religious references and things like that, but uh, it doesn't feel like it's laid on as thick as previous seasons. And maybe that's maybe they're maybe they are kind of easing up on that a little bit, which which did give us kind of a lot to dig into, a lot of homework to do. Uh, but I'm sure we'll have our work cut out for us coming up here. Yeah. So they they break out. They go immediately to see Debrell. And Debrell being Zelmer's sister. It was interesting that she had a welcoming tone immediately, but the minute her husband was like, well, come on, you know, come out of the doorway. And she was just like, you can't stay here. Yeah. Well, she's trying to definitely, she's definitely trying to protect Ethelreda. Um, she might also be, you know, slightly embarrassed because her sister's been locked up for doing some no good stuff. And she's the good, responsible sister who's now... Taking money from a crime, taking borrowing money from a crime syndicate. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, do you think it's uh, she's she's trying to live on a higher level, like or at least establish that she is. Mm -hmm. She's not like her sister, but it's interesting. She's overly protecting Ethelreda, but it makes me wonder. Well, does she know how worldly her daughter is? Do you know? You know what I mean? Hmm. Do you think her parents don't know that she's like this kind of? I don't want to. I don't know if she's a, she's not a savant, but like, no, I think I they she, know. She's just, but they don't want her to get mixed up in the wrong crowds. I think that's I think it's as simple as that. No, they see the good. They see the goodness in her, and they want to keep. They want to keep that at an arm's length at all costs. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So we got Thurman and Debrell and um, Zelmar and Swanee sitting at the dinner table. Um, well, two are and Zelmar is now like the grammar coach. Yep, um, and so we find out that the loan they're taking from some shady mobsters is ten percent interest, and that's just in the first month. First month, Ugh. Um, and I don't know if this is a loan to keep. I mean, obviously, like the house going, but it maybe it's the house is the business as well. Am I correct in that they're kind of like living in the? That's the way. So this is really the way it was, even growing up. For me, like in my parents' hometown, the funeral home in town, like the the guy was a, f- a family friend, and it was yeah, the front half of the house was like there was the one door that they lived in, and the back, and that's where you 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 know you let you, you brought the dead in, and then the front side of the house was the funeral parlor, all as one. My siblings have memories of like playing in in like the room where they like embalm people, not when there was anyone in there, but. Why? Why? Why wouldn't they? I think it just made sense. You know, in the end, we, we jumping forward, we did see that there's the other side of that coin. We go across and then there's the like the big brick and mortar, you know, like Catholic one. And they, they did separate into that, too, back in the day. Protestants, Catholics, they got people got married. They got buried in different cemeteries based on that. Hmm. Speaking of funeral homes in Fargo, did you know, sure. uh, well, you know Cosmo. Yes. Charlie, Charlie Cosmo. Did you know him? Yeah. I didn't know him personally because he's younger than me. He's probably my age, actually. Yes. And he was in What About Bob with Bill Murray. Yes. And Hook. Charlie yes. Cosmo played the kid in Hook. And he also played the sort of nerdy white kid in what 
10 things I hate about you or can't hardly wait or something. I think one of those, I, I always, I always conflate those two movies. Yeah. One's with Heath Ledger was, though, right? Yeah. That's 10 things I hate about you. So it was the other one. Can't hardly wait. I, I think, yes, it's can't hardly wait. You're right. Where he like gets really drunk and sings or something. Yeah. That yeah. kid is from Fargo and his family owns a funeral home. We should have had him Here on. Here we are, full circle. We should have had him on as a, yeah, as an expert on families that lived in funeral homes. <laughs> well, you and I both know. <laughs> not that acting, though. The Cosmos did not live in there. No, they didn't. I will say this. Charlie Cosmo, the actor <laughs> from Fargo, is um, like wicked smart. <laughs> you, know, you know where he went to school, don't you? Why don't you enlighten us? Well, I only know this because there's a couple kids that, you know, from Fargo around the same years that went. He went to MIT and he he's a lawyer. He went to Yale. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. I, just, I mean, I did. I just want to see if you knew it. Oh, no. I remember people talking about it. They're like, did you know Charlie's going to MIT? So he went the actor then lawyer route to yes. be the Yang to James Falco. Pretty Sien, much. Who went the lawyer to actor route. Yes. Thank you. So when we when we see that they're they're struggling for money, you know, on this funeral home thing, because we can skip, you know, because we eventually go from that. Let's just skip the drive by. We saw it happened. Wait, know. there was something interesting in that drive by. Um, okay. Okay. And I could be reading into it a little bit too much, but <laughs> so we talked in the hot dish about all the the cigarettes that they were smoking, uh, waiting yeah. to gun down um, the the head honcho of this. Hospital. Um, I wrote my note. If we're if we're comparing show notes, Ooh. was pile of butts. <laughs> <laughs> just that's just my note. Uh, just pile that of whole scene is just. Uh, how how am I going to remember to talk about this pile of butts? Um, maybe I'm just seeing shit or stuff or. Um, it's also the look, working title for Sir Mix-a-Lot's memoir. Yeah, pile of butts. Pile of butts. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, right before they take off, that they start moving the car. Um, like something like flies out of the hospital window or like off the roof really? of the hospital. And I was wondering, like, is that a signal is somebody in the hospital signaling like hey that's the guy or something i didn't even pay attention i should have looked was the guy that was triggering with a trigger man was he because i don't think he was there he doesn't necessarily know who the doctor is right yeah that's what you got me wondering about except i just tried to you can probably hear that music playing i and decided to fire up the episode and i'm gonna i'm gonna look at this yeah man. I look at it look at it because Fada's like drilling the guy, the henchman later, and he's like, well, did you get him? Did you get him? And they're like, uh, yeah. It's like they didn't even know who they are trying to get. So then I was wondering, like, is that a signal? It goes back farther than that. When they are driving away, this is what I wrote by. He wrote, did you get him? He goes, I think. And he goes, what do you mean you think? Yeah, like, because he got one of the guys. He got the guy open, like standing by the door. I mean, it did okay, look like he, he got him. he flicks the butt. Okay, I'm watching. He's flicking the butt. There's a white thing that flies like out of a window. Whoa. I did see that. Hold on, I gotta back up. Or are we gonna just find out like a pigeon just ran into the Right. Building? I mean it could be something like that. Hold on, I got it. Oh hey, go frame by frame, see what it is. <laughs> I know what it is. Oh no. It's a, a little snow. A little snow fell off the roof. That's it? Yep, that's it. Sorry, bud. 
What? There's I'm looking, snow? I'm looking, I'm looking at the roof lines. Yeah, there's it's snow. I wonder if they just did the whole, uh, they won't notice. Because, I mean, we, we know it's sort of cold because it's fall. Oh, yeah, it's just a little snow. Dang. Little snow. I thought I was on to something. I liked your plan better. You know what? Let's let's just, we'll just cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just no, cut you this gotta this let's, No, I mean, that's how, this is how this stuff works now. You cut the facts out. Yeah, that guy in the back seat's not a good shot. He's terrible. He's terrible. I guess that's the story of a pile of butts. I thought also interesting. I couldn't, I, I mean, I know it was a device to just get Ethel Rita across town, but, you know, so we go from funeral home, or at least the we go from their home to this, it was the Kingdom of Mercy funeral home. And she goes to pick up formaldehyde. And I, I kept thinking to myself, this is one of those things, mm-hmm. just like, shut up, Bill, it's just TV. But I'm like, how is she, how much formaldehyde is she picking up? <laughs> and she's going to take it back with her on the bus? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Is it just like a milk jug full or how much, you know, did they need? Or How is... much formaldehyde is needed to embalm a body? Let's figure that out. And if only, if only we had a friend who was a funeral director. Oh, wait, we do. We should. Why didn't oh, we get, ask him all these questions? We got to do that. Upcoming episode. We'll, we'll, you tell us what you want to know about it and we'll ask all the horrible questions. Yes. Yeah, send in your funeral director questions. Um, yeah, so I didn't catch that the um, I didn't catch funeral home was called Kingdom of Mercy. So we have the King of Tears and the Kingdom of Mercy. Well, but it's like King, like the world, you know. I just thought, I don't know. Here's here's what I was gonna say. This is what I think I think is getting further set up is that Orietta d- hates that Ethel Rita is smarter than her. Every time we see Orietta, she's kind of got the clever quip. She's got the interesting stuff. And as we eventually find out later, she turns her firing into a two-month severance. But but every time she's talked to Ethelreda, she's like either corrected or shown that she doesn't know. Do you know what I mean? You're you're like a lucky penny or whatever. And she's like, bad penny. And then she speaks French. And she's like, oh, she, she, spe- and she speaks French. Yes, she does. I think that's going to be part of something. It's interesting how, um, like, all the major characters speak multiple languages in a part of the country that I don't feel that would be mm. very true. I I don't know if that's true. In the 50s, maybe the stretch here is that there's an Italian gang in Kansas City. I don't know. We could think about this, Sharpie. But, like, the you know many, speak you know many, Italian. Do you know how many Catholics used to know a ton of Latin just because they hadn't, like, switched the mass yet? Hmm. Vatican II, bro. Hmm. What Nobody year was knows. that? Though? Vatican II was basically in the mid '60s. Did they have subtitles? No. I mean, like even even look at Gatano. He's not even he's not even a first gener he's not even a first generation American citizen yet. No. Nope. So to me, if you got family that doesn't go back that far, and I mean, it's very obvious that Donatello was only like first or second gen. Doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise you that they would that the canons would speak Italian. Um, I don't or know. Florida speaks French. Or I don't know. You eventually, you Mayflower. eventually, when you when you're in when you're in cahoots with certain types of people, sure. you you tend to pick up a little bit of their stuff. They pick up a little bit of yours. Yeah, it's I need the, to be in more cahoots. It's it's the I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of the the melting pot aspect of it. Yeah, sure. Also, I just think it's so normal. Like, I wrote down the line where he goes, this Svigato, you know? Mm. 
he, he was mad that Harvard wasn't, he wasn't sure if he was dead. And I had to look it up. A Svigato is an unlucky person or a loser. I love uh, the Jason Schwartzman uh, mob character, but I just cannot buy it. <laughs> you're, you're, you're having a really hard time getting over the Wes Anderson aspect of his life. Yes, exactly. So, but I like it. I think you maybe were kind of right, and I think that's partly what's giving that shine to you thinking he looks like he's going to break character, but I think that's because, I don't know, I feel like in many parts of this episode, uh, Josto, although he may be the shorter man or the smaller man in so many instances, you know what I mean? Like, look how big Gatano is compared to him. Mm. His his moderately arranged marriage, he, he didn't have to, like, bend down to, like, put his head on her bosom practically. Mm. But yet, you know, after that awesome scene, I thought that was pretty pretty cool. Not the best scene with Gatano, but... When he talks about Il Duce and, 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 you know, he's got the tin of teeth. And mm-hmm. in the end, <laughs> Josto just says a few words and pats him on the cheek. That's chutzpah, man. Don't you think? He's just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get moved by this. Good luck. You and, you and Il Duce and the good murder of, you know, the good business of murder. I don't know. I, I do love the guy who's playing uh, Gitano. Yeah, and that's what I just want to talk about is his, the way he kind of like moves about the room with his like Don Corleone sort of like big jaw, kind of like, like the way the words come out in this like snake like uh, conniving or contriving, maybe I should say, uh, cadence, I think is amazing. It doesn't really seem to fit like the stature of like the physical appearance of the guy because he seems kind of like big and goofy. But then when he talks and the way he moves, I think his acting is incredible. Oh, um, I think it's his eyes that eventually, like, you just all you see is just he looks bananas, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, when he's looking, like when his eyes get a little wider, mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to fuck with that guy. Yeah, he's got a craze that's that goes really like beyond his corneas. <laughs> from a from an interesting character standpoint, I think he has some of the most interesting stuff this episode. Because think of it this way, he's brute force with a little bit of crazy and maybe a tiny bit of swagger, but I mean if you think about it, he he gets into face-to-face thing with his brother. He gets into a face-to-face thing with Loy when he goes to see Satchel. He gets into face-to-face thing with governor like and he's unflinching in every one of those positions mm-hmm. and i feel like in cohen world as much as we're like gotta respect that he's gonna get some somewhere sometime he's got to get some comeuppance from that mm-hmm. or some some just horrible you know he's gonna go face down in an ice hole <laughs> mm-hmm. he'll he'll be around a while though i hope so oh, i yeah. do I do want to give a shout out to some a piece of music though that we we missed that came right after that that the uh, the the Funky Dogs Brass Band number one look it mm-hmm. up it's a fun song it's a fun song I just added so, it to my library yeah they've been uh they appeared a couple times in this episode and the first episode mm-hmm. um when that when Gaetano and Josto are talking outside that funeral home did you notice the yellow stop sign? On the corner. Props to the prop master who has a uh, 
Firm grasp of history. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a beautiful stop sign from the actual era. From 1924 to 1954, stop signs were black text on a white background inside of a gold octagon shape. So it was like yeah. black text on a white plate in the middle of a yellow, yeah. goldish yep. stop sign. So that was pretty cool. So that ended in 1954 when it switched to the white text on a red octagon. So that's pretty cool. We've had connections to some of the people who worked on the show when it was up in Canada. I reached out, and yeah, because a lot of this was shot in the States this year. Oh, sure. Um, I'd have to look at the email. I want to say a lot of it was shot around Chicago, actually, is where they did it. Okay. Chicago's got that same kind of yep. Midwest brick city feel, you know, um, but... You're you're right. That was pretty cool. I'm still I'm still overly fascinated by the color of cars. Yeah. Um, I just I know who's going to be in the scene based on the cars that are there and what's happening. And now we've got a blue Ford and a blue Caddy issue though. Loy Loy drives a blue Caddy, and the the do the dinguses who shot shot the lady instead of the <laughs> Doctor Harvard <laughs> were were in a oh, blue. Oh, they were Ford. also in blue. They were in, they were driving a blue Ford. Those guys were use use guys. Mm. But what did you make of the? You know, if we're gonna come back, to, I want I'll come back to the Gitano and like you know, what a great scene between he and Chris Rock uh, as Loy. But uh, I I feel like we're definitely on to something with Rabbi um, and his situation, and that uh, was and Zero and Satchel. Like yeah, when when Loy refer when Loy says they've got a lion in a cage wearing a groove mm. is that rabbi who are they talking about i don't i don't know yet i i did not make those connections yet cuz i wasn't thinking that cuz that scene comes uh later yep it does but now you got me well i don't know i still think <laughs> gov doctor wins that one when he says or it's the one on the wall that's got a smile a forced smile you know it's put on display with a stupid smile on its face you know yeah i i just um, rabbi immediately popped into my mind when he said that um because rabbi does feel like he's a lion in a cage because he's living with that other he's on that other family's side now and he's he's clearly got some issues he's got something pent up inside of him and he's on the good side of well somewhat He's somewhat of a good liaison, I guess, between Fada's, the Italian mob, and Cannon. Well, do you get the feeling that he's not so much a good liaison between them and more that he's a liaison for the boy? Yeah, sure. For Satchel? Yeah, 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 definitely. Did you notice notice like what what he said to, to the kid, though? When they were going up to the house, he he gave him that whole, you know, I'm not your father, and then he get he literally instead of just like all you know those other scenes where the guys just push their child forward into the middle of the room, Loy like gets down and he has that whole conversation. I'm not your father. He's like, do they respect you? Do they look at you? Do they do they look? Do they get on your level? And that's when he says uh, capiche, and the kid says capisco. And mm-hmm. I thought interesting. And then they then then the whole Gitano thing happens. And, but think coming to rabbi, did you, and then all of a sudden when the boy's there and it's literally 
rabbi and then standing directly in front of him, almost like they're like Russian dolled is um is Satchel and Rabbi. And then Loy basically waves, he says, Come here, talking to the kid, but they both go immediately. Hmm. I did not catch that. Watch it, yeah, so that's the spot I caught because I thought so clearly he's he's summoned and then they have their whole conversation where he says, you know, and we find out they're roommates. He and Satchel are roommates on the third floor. And he says, he's entirely in my keeping, meaning I've got this. Yet the other kid is like, they give me peanut butter sandwiches sometimes, you know, and and then if we fast forward, since you're skipping ahead, I'm going to, when we get to the very end, like the very end when they're um, almost to the very end where... Uh, Loy is praying at the table with the family. Zero is at the table holding hands with the family, praying, but is also have, happens to be the only one wearing a paper Thanksgiving Native American headdress type of thing, yeah. turkey. But so that's got to have something to it. But so he's at the table, and when they cut away to that scene where. Gatano is at the head of his table, which he thinks is his, and Josto walks in, and we cut away for one second, and Josto's gone. He's in another chair, or Gatano's gone, and Josto's in the chair, and then they pan up, and on the third floor, alone, eating sandwiches, are Rabbi and Satchel. So yes, you might be onto something with that. Uh, they're they're trapped animals, but but they also have loyalty of some sort. I think they will, and mm-hmm. even the even Zero might. That's the yeah. show, right? <laughs> hmm <laughs> What what do you make so so if we back up just a teeny bit, what do you make what do you make of the Apex vending machine co? Like obviously there's pony bets going on and Yep. Did you look at the wall in the background? I was trying to figure out what the chalkboards were all yeah, about. I'm not, I was, I'm not I don't I, I don't, I don't, I don't play the ponies. <laughs> I don't either. So I was Googling all those like acronyms and stuff and I mean I probably could have spent a little bit more time on it, but I didn't find <laughs> I spent- much of substance. <laughs> I zoomed in on my screen, and then I thought, maybe Matt will figure this out. Sharpie yeah. will figure this out. I uh, then, then I, I went <laughs> then I went into uh, researching the business of of cigarette vending machines in the 1950s, and you know, I just don't know if that's worth talking about. <laughs> you know, if we're gonna talk Mad Men, though, did you notice the the that uh, Doctor Governor was drinking out of a roly poly? I didn't. Which is a very Dr. famous Senator. glass that Don Draper was also drinking out of a set of glasses called Roly Polies. Uh, I didn't think I knew that mid, was a thing. Mid-century modern, yeah. Um. So, uh, Doctor, you get you're screwing me up now, Doctor Senator, uh, oh, not Doctor Governor. <laughs> Do I keep saying Doctor Governor? <laughs> yeah. <God> damn it. <laughs> uh, doc, maybe that's his middle name, Doctor Governor Senator. <laughs> Um, I'm going to make a post-it note and just put it in front of me. This is our, this is my, this is my, um, season one. Stavros, Milos, Milos, Stavros. Stavros, Milos, but (laughs) anyway, sorry, go ahead. You were saying, um, I don't know. They were chit-chatting about, um, Dr. Governor, Senator and Dr. Senator. We're going to, we're going to get this right. (laughs) This ends here. Uh, we don't know. Um, they're just chatting about the whole credit card thing, and um, Doctor Senator mentions that he doesn't even think he could try clothes on at Gimbal's. Um, that obviously being yeah. like a racial inequality thing, um, but Gimbal's it was a department store. 
that was around yep. for like a hundred years, and I'm not too familiar with them. We didn't have them in Fargo. They were. Well, we yeah, we t- we told everybody we had Herbst. Herbst, yep. Um, but I was wondering if you had heard of them, you know, or knew of gimbals prior to this, or had any experience with a gimbals. They were around to like 1987, so you're old enough. <sighs> <laughs> Um, but what I found interesting about it's, gimbals, it, it, well, I, I I know about it because it's it's just it's a very famous store from New York. I mean, and they, I think, were some of the people that did the Thanksgiving Day something or other. Oh, interesting. Um, but they had yeah, they had like four major branches and like Pennsylvania was one, New York was one, maybe Chicago was one or Wisconsin or Michigan or something. I don't know. Um, I don't really know that much about them. I'm not an expert on that because I'm from Fargo. But what I do know about gimbals is, which I found interesting, was they all had their own charge cards, every like location. And the and you couldn't use the same charge card at other gimbals locations it had to be specific to that like region um so i thought that was kind of interesting since they're trying to get into the business of charge cards yeah or invent them i guess well yeah i mean and i think that's the conversation they were having was that they have all these these ideas but the system the the way that the system is set up it's you know it's it's rigged against them and so Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, I think that's the Loy's issue is that he wants to make more money. He wants to do these things and he can't because, you know, yeah, specifically because, you know, Dr. Senator can't even go into gimbals, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Gimbals also reminds me if we're just, just we're making Mad Men references. That's the, you know, and gimbals was, you know, the, the, the people, the family who started gimbals were, were Jewish immigrants, if I remember correctly. And I feel like that was, unless it was real and I just don't remember, um, uh, what's her name? Man- Rachel M- Menkins was the store in um, Mad Men, which mm. she was the she was the kind of the woman you know Don Draper kind of just had this thing for, and they yeah. things things got kind of weird. But I always thought Menkins was kind of a I don't know maybe I should look that up. Was Menkins a real store? I thought it was a throwback to Gimbals, is what I thought. Oh, you did. Well, I thought it was one of those like they didn't want to use a real brand name, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Menkins existed. Anyway, we're we're way off base here, but but eh. but yeah, I mean, th- these are these TV worlds that they they play into realities that that are here, and I mean, the reality of what uh, Doctor Senator said is is pretty real. But to be, I think you're right, as you've already talked about that the real conversation there was the the statements about the lions, mm. and also just the comment that lions are the tigers are doing this, like it's it was a little bit of talking about a different different language and animal. I don't know where it's going to go. I, I, I know it's going to go somewhere, but let's let's talk. We can go quickly about Desi. Yes, that's what the I Alderman. just wanted to get into. Okay, fire away, man. I, I just wanted to uh, bring that up because how, I mean, I was a little bit, you know, surprised to see that Josto had a fiancé. And was totally not expecting that. Totally not expecting no. to be it, thrown into a room with a fiance and her father. And this is clearly uh, an arrangement for business purposes for both Josto and Milvin Gillis. 
uh, I don't know if Desi's aware, but and I don't really know what's gonna what what about what is about to go down. But Milvin's obviously looking for votes. Josto's obviously looking probably for favors if he can get Milvin in office or something. Well, that's what I was wondering was like what you know what favor is he trying what what does he want? Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, could you? I can you? I'm not sure if you. I don't think you we know, know yet. You know, is it? It's is that just we have to we have to continually remember that politicians, many of them, are crooks. <laughs> mm. That's the end of that comment string. <laughs> um, I just I do also just love the the shift of attitude though. The oh hi, ma, 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 and then that's when we get that line from the, the you know thing about pumping babies. <laughs> yeah, into her and twice on Sunday. <laughs> Go fuck a state park. But I think that's just another one of those things where you're like, you, Josto's actual posture is not the same as his for, forward, like, in, like not physical posture. Yeah. His bravada. His bravado? Yeah. Bravadi? Bravado. I don't know. I just, uh, I'm, I'm going to be, I'll watch that one. I don't know if it has to be a major storyline. Yeah, but there's got to be something there because I I immediately was like, well, God, of course he's got to have some like Italian like wife kind of set up or someone he's marrying, but instead it's this kind of more Midwestern. Mm-hmm. The Gillises. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what was their last name? Gillis. Gillis. Yep. G I L L I S. Hmm. Milvin hmm. Gillis and Desi Gillis. Milvin. Yeah, not Melvin. Melvin. I wonder why the mother wasn't Melvin. there. Just too many, too much casting. Do you think not in, not needed? She's dead. Like, oh, geez. Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry for you to find out like this. I I did think this was also the line I wrote down that 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 Desi said though was I thought it was interesting. You know that she called him a boy losing his father. You know, I mean, he's a grown man, you know, <laughs> a boy. And then, you know, talk to you later, honey bear. And I, all I wrote after is that was, like, what is this? What is this relationship? And so shortly after that's when we got the kisses. Well, that, but just, a, all right, cut the shit, you know? Yeah. Slow, I mean, what is it? Slow pump babies into your daughter, and then he immediately goes, uh, you know, try the calzone. <laughs> <laughs> they're a riot. He goes, they're a riot. Yeah. That's what he said. <laughs> Where do you get a great calzone in or near Fargo, North Dakota? Last time I had a calzone anywhere near here, there was a place up by the uh, the the guard up up by Grand Forks. We have an international, we have a Air Force base up there, and um, I want to play. I don't remember the name of it, but they like had great that silver was the moon, first place, something like that. The silver moon. I thought that was the one. I thought that was the one in Grand Forks. Oh yeah, I'm talking that's like this is out to. in like Emirato, North Dakota, or something like oh. that. Oh. Anyway, first place, and it was one of those only had business because the base was there. Because the only other thing close to there, outside of driving like you know 15 miles into Grand Forks, was like the subway. There was a Domino's that was just out in the middle, like a bumfuck nowhere. Because all they did was deliver pizza at the base. Mm. But that is the first. And only place I've ever eaten a calzone in my life. Yeah, I, I well, mean, there more than once. Calzones but. are pretty rare in Fargo. Like <laughs> we're talking like about going... the the two places we're talking about uh, are different places, and they're both at least an hour from Fargo. 
I feel like you're slowly working your way into some sort of Parks and Rec scene. Or you don't know about this. No, I don't. You don't know about Ben Wyatt? <laughs> He's like got this thing about calzones oh, on Parks yeah. and Rec. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were trying to bait me into some sort of Ben Wyatt thing. The only the only other random comment I wrote down around that period of the show was right. He okay, so he, he says he says to him, Go fuck a state park. Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? He says, You'll get your votes, you'll get your boosterella, which is a bribe. And I'm like, but I was like, Well, who's who's bribing who? Right. Like, so what's in it? What's in it? For, for, we're still back to what's in it for Josto or jo- Josto. Is it Josto or Josto? Josto. I don't what's know. in it for I Josto? What's in it for Josto if he's bribing the guy who's not actually a political mogul yet? You know what I mean? Is it, is this the like, they can't, they're, they're not a big enough crime family to reach the mayor yet. So they just got to start with like aldermen or, you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. I don't know, man. We just don't know. We don't know much. But that'll Ugh. be fun. A little politics at play. <laughs> and then obviously we had the we had the reveal that that Otis was, you right. know, boss, 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 boss. But did you I didn't catch for sure and I thought it was funny and I laughed. Like when he was doing the the knock people can't mm. hear that. The knock on the door. The other guy was like he just opened it, I think, because he wanted yeah, to stop. Because he wanted to stop. And that <laughs> that's how we know it works. <laughs> you can stop it. He's, he's just like Oh, he's like, nope, nope. Not, you know, I'm not who gonna you. let that shit carry on. <laughs> um, I love, I love it though. Like, so we're coming hot off the go fuck a state park line, and then <laughs> Joe's just like, you know who you twitchy piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> who oh. you know who you twitchy piece of shit? See, but oh, so here's the question though. So in we're we're talking about we're talking. <laughs> We're talking about Jason Schwartzman again a little bit again. I mean I don't he needs to those are the lines. He's kind of made for those lines, isn't he? Yeah, I mean totally, absolutely, of course. I mean like 100%. I'm far no, I'm two I'm two episodes in and I don't think I would want anyone else to play that character. Ooh, but fun game. At mm. Fargo Talks Fargo, tweet us or email us at podcast at Fargo Talks Fargo. Who else could have maybe played that? That way, I mean, like Jack Black. <laughs> too round, too round. For oh, that. I think the roundness is perfect. <laughs> no, but Jack Black doesn't say things like "you twitchy piece of shit." He's okay, Samuel L. He Jackson. He would make an AC. He'd make an ACD. Oh, Samuel L. Jackson would definitely say "you twitchy piece of shit." Okay. I can okay. Let's it. let's talk about um, how much do we? I, I'm 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 thinking. You tell me. Should we gloss over the whole? We get to see Orietta, and we get to basically see her get busted and lose her job, which frustrates her. So now she's she's trying to kill a guy named Cosmopolis. In case Mister Mister Cosmopolis, and he's he's Greek. Yep. So and I thought, does she just like killing people from that region? You know, Italy, Greece. Is that a thing for her? She's going after the Greek mob now. But I did like her. I like the one thing I liked about her big speech outside of I feel like that guy caved pretty fast, but was that she said she's not a goat. And, you know, it's America, not Soviet Russia. Mm. Pretty, pretty good stuff there. Yeah. 
yeah, she's being her usual quick self. I liked how the, um, I don't know, her employer guy, whatever his role is officially, obviously his, they framed up his head perfectly to have that sort of like halo around it. Red glow in the room. Red glow. And I thought it was interesting how his head like perfectly covered that window that had that red glow coming out of it. So it looked like a halo, but then later on, uh, towards the end of that scene, you can see what's actually behind there, and it's a picture of Jesus' face that was behind his head. Hmm. I didn't catch that part. Yeah, it was a stained glass of Jesus, but you couldn't see Jesus' face when, from mm-hmm. Orietta's standpoint. What do you make of after that? She, you know, the first thing she does is she goes home, and enlightens um, Ethelreda about Sagittarius and. You, you know the scene I'm talking. What did you make of that? Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's another place I think she just gets so flummoxed by her because she mm-hmm. knew, and then she off like offers her a, like a demeaning job. Mm-hmm. And, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that's a, a demeaning project. job. I just meant it's you know people people who clean homes are fine people. I just mean at the time, you know, she's like that. You know, she's like you know I'm intelligent. You want me to come clean your house up for fifty cents and so I can play your long records. Yeah, Orietta's trying to lower her status. Not Orietta's status, but Ethelreda's status. You suppose it's because she's coming off a high, where she's like, she's sort of lost, but won? Yeah. She, I think she did think of it as a win. Um, Is there any significance behind Ethelreda's birthday being December 1st? I don't know. I didn't look that. I didn't get that number driven yet. The true birthday of Jesus or something. After season one where I was like writing down license plate numbers too much, I just gave up. Oh, that's not true. I actually wrote down the address. It says one address was 183. Yeah. Okay. That is pretty prominent though. So I was wondering about that myself. Yeah. It's a, we'll we'll get back to you later on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know where that's going to go. Well, I mean, obviously we're going to find out where something's going to go. She wants to make her a pet project and she Well, when, when I signed on with you, Sharpie, you were you were humming accentuate the positive. Mhm. You got to accentuate the positive. <laughs> I don't, I did that wrong. You did, but it's okay. What You've never really been a music career kind of guy. I that is a very true fact. I'm not a musical person. How do you? Uh, how did you take that? Uh, nice. Did you catch the throwback to No Country for Old Men? Nope. What? Uh, the slaughterhouse after that. The next scene that came after this. They eventually. Oh you know, sure, yeah. With the like air rifle. Yeah, I don't know what I made of. Like they've been in there the whole time, and then Gitano's people show up, and then the the noise of that bolt gun starts making half of them jumpy. Yeah, I don't know if it was partially to just help prop up Doctor Senator, you know, his just unwavering coolness, but that's because I'm still sticking to the fact that the guy's a guy's a fucking boss. He's a boss. Is there any significance to the uh, can of olives? I thought it was just a remnant from the Italian dudes. Okay. Bunch of olive-eating jerks. <laughs> I was trying to think of that. Like, was there any, like, 
in raising Arizona, are they like snacking on cans of olives or anything like that? No, um, I don't know. I love a I just, can of black olives. I also, that's the other thing is I just, yeah, I love that they're giving, he's got so much, uh, I like, I like, I like a lot of the stuff that, that the characters, Dr. Senator and Loy Cannon are bringing forth, you know, this, this not just brute force gangster, it's, they're calculated, they're well-read, they're, you know what I mean? And it's, and, and on the flip side, you, you just got a bunch of goofy kind of, Jersey Shore Beach Italians in Kansas City. It's a good move to say that, you know, because we know Loy and Fada had a meeting, uh, Donatella Fada had a meeting. We know yep. that while they were eating their nut meat. And nobody but knows. He didn't, want to, he didn't want to let them take the stockyards, though, I don't think. But they, you know, hey. Nobody knows no, what really knows went down there. So yeah. the the cannon crew could easily say, yeah, he said, we've got the stockyards. And nobody can really dispute it. I don't think they're going to get away with it. Um, but it's a good, interesting move. And Gaetano even recognizes that because he's just like, eh, yeah, that's a, that's a good move. We'll Ooh. see about this. I got a random catch as uh, before we go into wrapping up here just because we're almost at the end of the app. Um, but... What what the hell did Swanee steal from the table and put in her boot? Did you catch that? I played no, it back twice and I, I still it, can't tell what it is. I played it back a couple times too and it just I I don't know. I just kind of assumed like some sort of silverware, a knife or something like that, but it was very like the shot wasn't great. Like there wasn't a clean right. catch of it. Bummer. I thought maybe you, I was hoping maybe you caught it. I tried. Nope. I yeah, boy. So when Orietta Mayflower's making her Ipecac syrup apple pie, so she's uh-huh. obviously, you know, placing an attack on Ethel Rita and family. Um, did you notice that as the camera's panning over to the bottle of the Ipecac syrup, there's like a bunch of shakers on the table, like spice shakers and salt shakers and stuff like that, and they're all shaped like grenades and bombs and stuff. <laughs> What? I gotta look that up now. I wanna see that. I mean, I, I, I always note these things just partially because I just I like good good costuming, good set dressing, good prop masters make they really make these things, you know. There's so many there's so many things that go into these shows that mm-hmm. I, I, I think they're always they're often unsung heroes, you know. There was a great I think we retweeted it, a really great like the color palettes of uh of Fargo are just constantly amazing. Like I think they're like Wes Anderson level awesome. And boy, I would love to have a conversation with Dana Gonzalez, who's who was the um was the I think he was the cinematographer for the whole season. Okay. Okay. Now I'm looking at that. Yeah, that is a little grenadey. Yeah, but then look at the other ones next to that. Even they're like bombs. They look like little. They look like missiles. Yeah. So it's like Orietta's like got an arsenal and she's ready to just drop it and wreak havoc across. Well, all the and and you know that shape of bottle. You know, some people always refer to those. You know, when you have beer in those, those are grenades, too. Mm. That's interesting. I did not catch that. That's a solid catch. That's at about forty-eight sixteen. If you've paid for the show, I just I don't know enough. I know I remember hearing about Ipecac when I was younger. About you know, because my my mother was a nurse and. 
they've discontinued its use. I mean, they used to give it to you if you drank poison. Yeah. Or, or and they needed to make you vomit. But at high doses, it itself is poison. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like one of those. Here, drink well, this poison, poison get the poison. To get the poison out. And then eventually somebody's like, you know, if you've swallowed something horrible, maybe we shouldn't put your body through some of the trauma of like pushing it backwards up through your mouth, you know? And they're like, you know, whoever came up with that whole activated charcoal thing and then just like pumping your stomach after that was like pretty primo idea. Activated charcoal, man, works wonders. Not just for that, just for all kinds of stuff. It's in my furnace filter, dude. Yeah. Water filters. It's great at getting rid of some stank in a fridge. If you got an old fridge lying around. What? Is that what you keep the bodies in? Yeah, like, uh, that's what, uh, what's his name should have used? Fat Damon. Fat Damon. <laughs> Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons, man. <laughs> he's in, you know, he's in something, I can't remember what, that's coming up that I've heard some good stuff about. I did see the advertisement for it. It yeah. does look great. Well, here's the deal. He was awesome in Breaking Bad. He was mm-hmm. Fantastic! I think I loved Friday Night Lights, the TV, the, the, the TV series. Yep, many people do. Yeah. Oh, it's I'm thinking of ending things. That's yep. the one he's in. Yeah. Um. So here's the deal. The 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 unspoken thing is what do you so what do you make of Timothy Oliphant showing up at the very end? Gets out of the car. Do you think there's any connection to that? Was the person standing in the street at the last episode or? This just happens to be somebody else. There's all sorts of people looking in on all sorts of people. You got, you've got, um, you know, you got what's her face, Orietta, creepily staring out the window from across the street at her neighbor. You got Zelmar in the window looking out when she's like, "What did she say about her?" She's like, "That is a weird white woman," mm. <laughs> or something like that. You got the person in the street, or was it an apparition or Slender Man? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if the so Timothy Elephant's character is his name's what uh, they haven't properly introduced it. I mean, I know it's in the credit, you know, on IMDb if you go there or something. (laughs) Deffy, Deffy, right now, right now it's basically just Lawman, and I'm trying to do the math on. We know that Otis said he'll get a Patsy. Yeah, Patsy. I'm just trying to do the whole. How is he Patsying? How is he going to patsy this? Do they know that the fugitives are in the house? Yeah, or they... I, I don't think. I mean, you could you could easily think that the lawman was the guy in the street from the episode previous, but he would. I don't know he, why. But look at him; he's wearing like this bulky coat and this. Yeah, hat I don't and... see why he would be there. I think he's there in episode two because he because of the fugitives. Um, I don't think he's necessarily watching anybody else. He's there for the fugitives. Um, and I think that he probably just saved uh, the whole family from eating a uh, vomit pie. Or do you think? Do you gonna, think they're going to go back? Do you to think that there's pa- going to be? Oh, a, do you think there's going to be a massive misunderstanding? And I mean, here's the only other thing. You know, I don't want to go, go overly political because maybe it wasn't that. But I mean, the way he kicked open the door, it was very no knock warrant. You know. Yeah. Brianna Taylor and I'm wondering yeah, I'm sitting there going are they going to come in the house and realize there's nothing there and they can't prove anything and they're going to have a little chit chat night- over some pie and they're going to they're going to give them the pie <laughs> <laughs> I mean oh that is totally going to happen that's like a good prediction gonna, 
somebody's going to have to eat that pie, and I know it's not going to be Ethel Rita. I mean, the only thing I thought that would be tragic would be like her father eats it because he's just this kind, gentle person, you know, and would eat pie yeah. from he would eat a he would eat a pie he found on his doorstep. He would, but I think you're right. I think. Ethel Rita's smart enough. She had that weird interaction with Orietta. She knows not to she eat the pie. She brought up the pie. She's going to see that pie. She's going to know it's from Orietta, and she's going to be like, um, yeah, I don't think so. I but ain't, I ain't eating that wacky bitch's pie. She meets, She takes tiny steps. Yeah, but these assholes that just kicked in my door, maybe they'd like a little piece of pie, and let's just see how that plays out. Hey, lawman, want some pie? And then it's going to be just I be, mean, everybody's going to be whipping up a bunch of omelets. I hope it's not. I hope they they need to at least keep Timothy Elephant a little bit for me, just a little bit, a little bit. Mm. He's a fave of mine. He's a favorite of mine. You do I have love like a giant poster lo- of him in your bedroom. Oh, why wouldn't I? He he's so. I've probably said this before. He's so good when he's on Conan O'Brien because they're friends, and he just gives Conan a lot of shit. Well, I don't know. We should wrap it up. I mean, usually we do like a who dead thing or this, but I just don't even know. No, I don't think we have to do that. I, I think the... I thought of one thing I forgot oh, to mention. Oh, no. There Billy. was... Oh, where did I write it? I had a... Oh, it was it was this last scene. They were getting like all these like as Thurman's picking up the pie and the lawman's like whatever. There's this light drumming happening, and it was very numbers and wrenchy, though. Yeah, it was. Yep. So, way to go, Jeff. I, maybe if that wasn't his intention, but it was It was nice, Jeff Russo. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I just need to reuse some tracks. God. Well, but it was different. It was different. It was different. Well, I think let's, let's, call, that a, let's call that a show, and <laughs> I mean, we're going to be doing this again. In, in in a matter of days. Yeah. Or, I, like I think uh, we've discussed this. We're hoping, you know, in the past we, we were kind of spreading it out, trying to have a couple days between watching the show and then releasing the full episode. We might go back the other way just for the sake of keeping our weeks more focused on work. So we're going to attempt again. And if it doesn't work, we'll shift it, you guys. It's only another day. But, right, we're going to do a hot dish on Sunday night. Which basically it's a Monday morning episode for most people, and then we'll record Monday night, so you'll most of y'all have it Tuesday. Yep. Fair enough. That's and fair. sorry about sorry about the wacky. If some of you downloaded the show early and noticed that Sharpie was only in your right ear, that was Bill not clicking the right button or not paying attention enough because it was like two thirty in the morning. Sorry. 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 Stop sorry. Apologizing. Sorry. Hey, good talk, man. Yeah, that was a good one. That's good talk. I'm looking forward to you gonna, episode you gonna three. You going to go eat any more of that scalloped potatoes? Oh, I want to so bad. But now I get to Fine. have it for a third day in a row tomorrow. Didn't didn't get Come My mother-in-law didn't give us enough. Didn't give us enough. It's gone. I'm going to go make a Totino's party pizza, maybe. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> sounds good, too. Actually, tomorrow I'm having a cl- good old classic Midwestern Red Baron frozen pizza. You, you know, here we'll finish this out with frozen pizza corner. Oh my God, pizza corner. That's, I didn't try to say that. I just meant our new talk about pizza. <laughs> you, you, you got me onto those Red Barons back in 2010. <laughs> you, you, you were like, no, for the price. It's, this is the best. Yeah, for the price, it is the best. Do you, like do you know why bucks. I quit? Do you know why I quit buying the Red Baron pizza? 
side-by-side fridge at my new place can't fit those boxes in there it's too much oh, i can't ha- yeah. i can't i can't have all that that, that unnecessary cardboard so now now if i'm being cheap pizza guy man i'm all about the roma the roma pizza okay fits in fits in my breville toaster oven my breville smart oven that i bought also because of you god you cost me a lot of money man did you i mean not just in red baron pizza Hey, let us know just for funsies. <laughs> favorite, favorite frozen store pizza. And don't don't give us some bougie, you know, gluten-free crust banana stuff. We want to know, you know, before you had your gluten intolerance. What was the wait, so wait, are you claiming Red Baron as your favorite frozen pizza? No, I'm not You're, claiming it as my favorite frozen pizza, but I do think it is great for the price and very consistent. I so, it's it's funny that you say that. Because my favorite frozen pizza right now (laughs) happens to be the gluten-free freshetta pepperoni pizza. I don't have to. I I don't have to. I don't have a gluten intolerance. Uh, You Denver bullshit. However, that pizza, for frozen pizza, is so good. The crust is like chewy and delicious and. It's not like your typical prosciutto, which is more like in the DiGiorno realm of like huge, bready, like crusty frozen pizzas. Yeah, yeah. It's more like your uh, regular frozen pizza, like a Roma or like a Red Baron. Um, but it's got this like great texture to it. Uh, it, I would buy it normally, as, and it would be my favorite frozen pizza if it wasn't $10. <laughs> I can get two Red Barons for that. I get to. I mean, yet I'll order hey, a pizza. <laughs> I complain about it being ten dollars, but I for some reason don't complain about ordering a pizza in for like twenty five dollars nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Which I don't do. I will. I I am a man who loves a lot of pizza. I love frozen pizza. I think it's all terrible. I don't think it's good. I like really good. There's really good pizza places here in town, but I don't know. Sometimes the the comfort of a Totino's pizza for me. Yeah. I miss I miss it being round. I miss it coming in a cardboard box because it's the perfect serving tray. Yep. You cut it and eat it off the cardboard box. Yeah, the fact that it comes in a bag now is is really a, an atrocity. And it's square. Yeah. Come on. I mean, I guess the squares kind of work because you, in a way, you you can equate it to like, well, I get more crust now. There's no crust on that pizza. Who are we kidding? But I love thin pizzas. Mm-hmm. Thin and crispy, man. That's where it's at. Less cheese, too. Mm. God, a good sauce ratio. All right, I'm going to go think about maybe eating a pizza in the middle of the night, which I shouldn't do. It's not good for me. It's not good for you, Bill. Just think about it. I probably it. won't do it. Well, I'm just going to go back to work now for a while. Okay. All right, man. You have a great next day or so until we do this <laughs> uh, It sounds good. It'll right. be fine. It'll be fine. It's just this. This was a this was a tough week, but thanks to everybody for listening. Yeah, in thanks the land of Harvey. taking and killing. What'd you say? I said, in the land of taking and killing, Gaetano right. is king. He's the man. All Sitting right. there with his, he's gonna eat those olives and eventually the rats. Mm, goodbye. <laughs>